11. Let's hear now the word of the Lord. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard it heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. For the past few weeks, we have been talking about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And today, we are going to look at the first major section of the ethical part of Jesus' teaching. And this is about how to deal with relationships. And we all know that relationships can be very difficult. Sometimes we make someone angry. Sometimes someone makes us angry. Like the gentleman who went to the grocery store and he came up to the cashier with a jug of wine in one hand and a bouquet of flowers in the other and he set them down and he said, I'll be right back. And he was gone for a minute and he came back with a second jug of wine and a second bouquet of flowers and he put them down and the cashier was a little bit confused and said, two girlfriends? And the gentleman said, no, just one really angry one. (laughs) So in our reading today, Jesus talks about murder or anger. He talks about adultery, divorce, and oaths. And these four um, issues deal with broken relationships from a kingdom perspective. 
God intends for us to treat each other with respect and support. And these four teachings today help us to remember the importance of controlling our impulses that could otherwise lead to destruction in our relationships and ultimately destruction in the communities of which we are a part. So let's break each one of these down. The first one is not so much about murder as it is about anger and reconciliation. Now, the people at this time would have been very familiar with the teachings that are found in Exodus and Deuteronomy that we know as the Ten Commandments. And this particular one that they're referring to here that Jesus is expanding on is you shall not murder. But Jesus is indicating that not just murder, but anger toward a brother or sister, speaking unkind words to or about a brother or sister, also makes the person subject to judgment. The New Testament talks a lot about the issue of anger. In Ephesians 4, verses 31 and 32, the Apostle Paul tells us to get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger. He goes on and says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. In James 1.20, we read that we should be slow to become angry. And he says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So Jesus starts this teaching talking about murder, but what he's doing is getting to the source of murder, which is anger. Anger was the real issue in that prohibition against murder in the Old Testament. One commentator that I read this week said this, when we are inappropriately angry with people, we attempt to take their identity and value as God's creature away from them, the ultimate form of which is the physical act of murder. Jesus is saying that as children of God, we aren't just supposed to avoid murder, we are to eliminate anger from our relationships. But at the same time, we see instances in Scripture where God and Jesus were angry. And if you remember, Jesus demonstrated righteous anger in the cleansing of the temple. We find that story a little bit later in Matthew. But in this passage, it seems that Jesus' teaching is less about having anger and more about what to do with the anger. He stresses the need for forgiveness and reconciliation. Throughout Matthew's gospel, Matthew stresses that the community should regularly and repeatedly extend forgiveness and be reconciled to one another. He's stressing that we should make sure that our human relationships reflect the glory of God. And we will never be able to accomplish that if we have anger in our hearts. The next issue that he addresses is adultery. Now, this is an extension of the commandment, you shall not commit adultery, but it is also connected to the commandment, you shall not covet. The word for covet in the Greek translation of the Old Testament is the same word that's used here. It's a verb that means to have a strong desire. So coveting is a strong desire to get something that belongs to another person. So if a man covets another man's wife, he has already committed adultery in his heart. The man is desiring to possess a woman who belongs to someone else. So one of the issues here is the desire to possess something that is not yours. And the other issue is that in that strong desire, one is treating another person like an object to be obtained. 
There are so many things wrong with that. Back in biblical times, women were treated as objects. And even today, many men view women as objects of pleasure. And this has led to the Me Too movement um, that we're familiar with today. It is never acceptable for men to treat women or boys to treat girls as objects of lust. And they are never to lead them into that kind of relationship. Jesus reminds us of the place of women and girls in the heart of God as he admonishes men to tear out or cut off an eye or a hand that causes them to stumble so that the whole body won't be thrown into hell. That is the depth of God's desire for purity in our relationships. The next issue that Jesus addresses is almost an extension of this last one as he addresses the issue of divorce. Back in Deuteronomy 24, it talks about how a man can divorce his wife if he finds something indecent about her. But here, Jesus clarifies this by saying that divorce is allowed only if there is unchastity, unfaithfulness, which means any sort of sexual activity that is outside the covenant of marriage or that violates the marriage covenant. Jesus is reminding us of God's original intent for marriage, that it is a sacred union between a husband and a wife, and it should not be entered into lightly. When one is unfaithful to their spouse, they are unfaithful to God who brought the couple together in the first place. To stay committed to the relationship in thoughts, in words, in deeds, emotions, and in priorities is to experience the fullness of that relationship that God has designed for us to experience. We are called to enter into a marriage covenant in such a way that divorce is not an option. When a couple enters that covenant with with such low expectations, many people today go into marriages thinking, well, if it doesn't work out, we'll just get a divorce. But when people enter with those low expectations, they should probably reconsider their intentions. Jesus allows divorce as an exception where there is blatant sinfulness. But that exception is not the same as using divorce as an easy way out of a difficult situation. The other thing to remember here is that even when there is unfaithfulness in a marriage, divorce is not mandatory and it should not be the first response. Forgiveness and reconciliation should always be sought before the option of divorce is considered. The fourth issue here is um, the taking of oaths. And in the Old Testament, it was forbidden to make a false oath in the name of the Lord. But here, Jesus is prohibiting oath-taking altogether. He makes it very easy. He said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. He's saying that you don't need to swear by anything. If you have integrity and truthfulness, yes and no is enough. This one is a test of the heart. What comes out of our mouths comes out of our hearts. A heart that is pure will speak only the truth. If we have to add, I swear, to anything that I say, that we say, does that mean that if we don't add, I swear, that we don't mean it as much? That should not be the case. A simple yes should be just as binding as an oath. 
Now, granted, there are times when an oath is required. In a court of law, you're often required to swear to the truth of your statements, but that's because you aren't known by those people. So this is mostly about your integrity in your community where you are known to others. A person with integrity will never have to swear an oath. Let your, your reputation as a trustworthy, truthful person be known to others. And all you will have to do is say yes or no, and that will be the end of it. So the purpose of these passages today is to promote supportive and loving relationships. All four of those issues were relevant in Jesus' day, and they are also relevant in our time today. They encourage us to think about how we relate to one another. So far this year, we have been focusing on discipleship, how we are to live as true disciples of Jesus Christ. And from our passage today, we learn four more lessons about what it means to be a true disciple. First of all, a true disciple doesn't let anger destroy relationships. They offer forgiveness and they seek reconciliation whenever relationships are broken. Second, true disciples are so committed to God's purpose for purity in their relationships that if they are married, they have eyes and hands only for their spouse. Outside of the marital relationship, true disciples respect each other as beings who were created in the image of God, and they maintain purity in that relationship in their singleness. Three, true disciples not only respect the sanctity of marriage, but they enter into that covenant understanding that they shouldn't go into it thinking that divorce is an option. The covenant of marriage is blessed by God and should be held in the highest regard. And fourth, true disciples don't need to make oaths to prove that they are trustworthy. Living faithful lives is enough to confirm that one's words and promises are reliable. We all know that relationships are hard. But if we all lived by the principles that Jesus set out for us, those relationships would be so much easier. So your challenge this week is to think about all of the relationships that you are in and think about your own integrity in those relationships. Think about the state of your heart in each one. Are you carrying anger where there needs to be forgiveness? Do you think about those with whom you are in relationship as being made in the image of God and do you, trust, do you treat them as such? How are you demonstrating purity in the context of all of your relationships? Do others consider you trustworthy, reliable, and a person of integrity? Ask the Holy Spirit to convict you of those areas that you need to work on. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, once again, today we are challenged by your words. We know that we so often fall short in all of those areas. So we thank you for your grace and your forgiveness when we do. Lord, let us not use weakness as an excuse. Strengthen us to be the kind of disciples that you want us to be. Pure, holy, forgiving, and trustworthy. We ask this in your holy name and all God's people say, amen.